Blog Talk Radio. Ancient Good afternoon, good evening, my dear friends, fans, and colleagues. So no matter where you are and when you're listening, I invite you back to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. And we are here for you every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific. And if you can't catch us then, um, we will catch you, um, you know, well, you can catch us uh, from the archives. So, um, Thank you so much for your listener loyalty. It certainly means a lot. And if you're new to the show, I'm Karen Tate, uh, and my guests and I discuss sex, power, gender, religion, magic, politics, uh, with a broad spectrum of visionaries and forward thinkers, women and men from a divine feminine or right brain point of view. Some might not even realize that they and their ideas and values fit comfortably under the goddess umbrella. Some call these ideals and values the feminine consciousness or the shift away from patriarchal domination to manifest a much-needed new normal. These are issues that could raise your consciousness or, you know what, some even say, some even say, save the world. It's all the stuff that mom probably taught you to never discuss at the dinner table. But I say fear not, taste the forbidden fruit. Rethink, reclaim, embrace the age-old knowledge that's been denied us too long. Let's have our voices heard. Let's change the world. Unlock your transformational toolkit and empower yourself as you learn long-hidden truths from your home altar to the voting booth and learn what denying the feminine face of God, deity, archetype, or ideal has cost humanity, particularly women. And today it is my guilty pleasure as host of the show to be chatting with Heather Mendel, and our topic is uh, divination cards, Kabbalah, and consciousness in a post-COVID world. Uh, Heather, she is the author of the disobedient Kabbalist. Uh, She's uh, South African born. She's a mystic artist, author, intuitive reader. Uh, She's drawn to the call of the mystical where myth and metaphor reside and she connects deeply to divinity and divination. She's authored seven books and four decks of oracle cards and she's perfectly suited to discuss with us how our consciousness can be shaped 
as we move toward the fifth dimension, she calls it a place we achieve rather than a place we go. It's a place where we connect with the elements, the plant and animal worlds in new ways. And her latest work, uh, is, I believe, is on the Tarot's Minor Arcana called the Parallax Oracle. And it was published uh, in October of 2020 uh, following the Sus. Oracle, published in 2012, and her website is sacredfemininekabbalah.com. So, Heather, welcome to the show, and tell me how I pronounced that oracle death wrong. <laughs> Hi, Karen. It's so wonderful to be with you. Please don't feel you're alone. In fact, I feel like I created the deck with the unpronounceable name. It's the Syzygy Oracle. And the title for this deck came to me uh, as an inspirational thought early one morning when I'm at my most intuitive. I heard this word or saw this word or felt the word syzygy, didn't even really know what it meant. I had seen the word uh, in different contexts, but went to look it up and discovered that it's an astrological or astronomical term for the, um, the sun, the moon, and the earth, it's mathematical or geometric relationship in one sense and also talks about the balance between the masculine and the feminine, all of which related to the first of my tarot decks dealing with tarot and Kabbalah. So you're not alone. No one can pronounce it, but uh, the deck is out there and... Uh, has a loyal band of users, fortunately. <laughs> well, and it sounds like it, it, uh, that name just sort of magically fell in your lap. Yes. You know, um, I don't know. I think we are all in this um, new time because I don't think we're moving into the new times. I think we are here. But I think that for those of us who are willing the signs, the synchronicities, the serendipities are occurring more frequently if we're open to them. And listening to the intuitive, all sorts of miraculous happenings come into our lives. So with the title for that particular book, the Syzygy Oracle book and deck of cards, um, the name came and uh, it's it was followed up by the Parallax Oracle. The Syzygy is a major arcana only, and the Parallax followed up as a minor arcana tarot deck and book connecting Kabbalah and tarot. But the name similarly came just in that quiet moment when one's open to feeling, hearing. You know, I don't know that we can really describe clearly where or how the intuitive sparks something within each of us. Some of us clairaudience, some clairsentient. We have different ways of knowing. But the more we appreciate and give thanks for this opportunity to be receiving from expanded boundaries, I think the more these things come to us and uh, we live in a state of gratitude as a result. 
Um, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying, and it's reminded me of <clears throat> times that I've been in that place, and um, and it's really very magical, even for you know a, a person like me who has to struggle a little bit more to be more right brain because I tend to be very left brain. I mean, uh, when I was writing one of my books and I was doing a lot of research, um, I would walk into a bookstore and there on the magazine rack would be the new Arco- new archaeology magazine, and there would be the perfect article for exactly the place uh, that I was maybe writing about in the book. You know, things like that would happen where it it just sort of falls into your lap or you get this intuitive knowing. Um, I mean, when we moved here from California, um, it was kind of um, like we were riding a raft in the flow of a river. You know, I mean, we knew we had to get on the raft. Um, We didn't question it a whole lot. It maybe even wasn't the most logical thing to do. But the moment we stepped on that raft, everything just fell into place and fit like a glove and happened perfectly. Uh, when so much could have gone wrong but didn't. And, you know, it just felt like this magical flow, like we were in sync with the universe, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, it feels to me like this is becoming more and more apparent for many more of us. Um, And the more we appreciate it, act on it, give thanks for it, I think the more this actually starts to happen, we, le- we realize that we're living in a world of connections, a world that is, um, there is far more, we, we know we say blithely, or things aren't as they appear, but we live in a world where things are deeply connected, and the joy and the fun of actually doing exactly what you're saying, taking that leap of faith, stepping onto that raft in a moving stream, and going with the flow and then realizing this was exactly what was intended for you. So exciting. So many of us, I think, as part of the patriarchy, men and women alike, we tend to dismiss what I call the I words. We certainly know we live in a a time of iPhone, iPad, iPod, and so on. But to me, the really interesting I words our imagination, intuition, intellect, inspiration, those are the words that are really accessible to us when we we drop what the patriarchy has said. For example, we've said in a lot of the women's groups of which I'm part and parcel, um, you know, we, we tend to say dismissively, oh, it's, is it just my imagination? And we've come to the uh, realization those two words should never go in a single sentence, just and imagination. If we think of it, the imagination is our opening into this world of new consciousness that takes us to the voice of the sacred feminine, to the intuitive sense where everything is connected. You were talking about, you know, the right side of the brain and the left side of the brain Well, if we follow works like um, Jill Bolte-Taylor's where she describes right brain as that access we have to integrated holes, 
to patterns and designs, I think we step into this world that's right there waiting for us, um, whether, whether we're willing to take the invitation or not. Hmm. Well, and um, it's funny, uh, there's been this thread that has run through the last few of my shows. Um, I didn't see it coming. It, it seems like it's been, um, you know, it's not intentional. And the last two shows, my guests, we've sort of got onto this topic of creativity. And um, in the last show, we talked about how uh, it seemed that when we are in that zone of creativity, when we feel like, um, you know, it, you know, we're not doing the dishes, you know, we're we're in that um, liminal space, you know, we're in that creative zone. Um, that that's when we actually can maybe connect to the divine source or the cosmic web or the Akashic record, whatever we call it. Do you Have you had a sense of that as well? Absolutely. And, you know, I'll go back a step too. One tends to also be dismissive of the housework that we all have to indulge in at some stage or another, no matter how we put it off. So I remember clearly a friend of mine in California saying, you know, that even if one's wiping down the counters and you're doing it with the, the, the flow, going with the flow of where you are, even those mundane activities can offer us the opportunity to connect with this inner realm. Certainly when one is sitting down uh, and creating be that artwork or be that the kind of writing that brought you and I together many years ago, I know that time stops for me. I'm totally unaware of um, what's going on in the physical world and just the sheer joy and sometimes frustration in trying to get across what I can feel and see clearly inside that moves me into a place of a transformed place, a place of magic where um, the, I think the intuition and even the word intention that you use, another one of those I words, where those come alive and bring us the joy of knowing we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, why we came here, and what, a, what an absolute privilege to have the time to be able to spend some of our energy creatively, whether it's setting a table, planting a garden, creating a painting or writing a book, all of these activities are really a call for us to be creative and joyful. Hmm. Well said, well said. And, um, you know, last night I was having a conversation with some women on Zoom. Uh, we were finishing up a book group we were doing on Rhianne Eisler's uh, The Chalice and the Blade. And oh, the yeah. idea came up of, uh, yeah, I mean, such a foundational, you know, book changed my life. Um, you know, we were talking about, you know, maybe the future holds the idea for us of, 
a reasonable universal basic income that we might be guaranteed. And the first thing that I thought about was that really might enable us to get off that hamster wheel and actually incorporate more creativity in our life rather than maybe having to work two jobs to pay the rent, you know. Uh, Maybe that would help usher in a new I don't know, a a, a new wave or, um, uh, you know, of of creativity amongst humanity that might actually help humanity evolve. It's a wonderful thought and a wonderful idea. I think as the limitations and structures of the patriarchy are collapsing in on themselves, new ways of being, new ways of connecting – new ways of relating to ourselves, to one another, and to nature are offering themselves as possibilities. Ten or 15 years ago, who was even thinking about something like an income as you're describing it? But the possibilities are out there because we know that the system that has really fostered a sense of, um, I think, adolescent greed consumerism, all the things that we know our society holds up as dear and valued, these things have brought us to the point where we are and need letting go of and we need new things to take their place. I think really of the miracle of COVID and I say that with humility because a lot of people suffered terribly health-wise and with loss of life and loved ones because of it, that it was almost as if nature was saying just what the Mayans had told us in 2012, that an old way of being was coming to an end and a new way was beginning. It was like we were going, we were sent back to our rooms to consider the way we behave, to go back into that darkness of creativity, of blooming, of... um, coming to life again in a different way that we are just beginning to edge our way out of. And so what you're describing as a new way of being able to meet the necessities of life that I think we have to question in this country particularly, what are things that we assume are necessities, but to come from a place of sharing not only of our resources, but of this opportunity to explore all that is creative within ourselves. I love that idea, Karen. Well, and, and, uh, and yeah, like you said, I mean, COVID um, was tragic. I mean, people lost their lives and all of that. But I really do think it has shifted um, our thinking, at least for a lot of people. I can't, of course, say everyone. But I really think it got us off the hamster wheel, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. made us reassess our values. Um, but I wonder, you know, how... Um, did anything change for you in in your creative process or um, during Um, uh, or post-COVID? Yes, I must tell you that it's really interesting because I was doing intuitive readings in a couple of venues close to where I'm in upstate New York and um, a couple of, I'd say probably six or eight weeks before the COVID shutdown started, 
I was getting a feeling maybe it's time to stop what I was doing. I am writing another book, but it's very much on a back burner. But I had the sense of maybe it's time. And then I thought, but that's crazy. I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I'm meeting lots of people. And then eight weeks later or whatever, we had the shutdown, at which point everything seemed to stop. I mean, I think we're still in a state of shock as how the world literally came to a standstill. But thank God for Zoom and similar programs, because what I've seen since this pandemic began, through very strange circumstances, and I can only put it down to the kind of thing you were talking about, that sense of coincidence, of connection, uh, groups of women who normally could never get together because of the geographic distances of time and place in which we live, have started forming and very deep and intimate connections have been made by women who get together now regularly and continue in a post-COVID world to share our spiritual journeying, which without COVID would just never have come to be. And so things work in these very strange ways um, and it takes us to places that we really didn't expect, couldn't see. We speak about the beginning of COVID. I was in a group of psychics who were asked, um, you know, did any of you see this COVID epidemic coming? And it was interesting, out of the 60 or 70 people who were present, again, on a Zoom connection, None of them could say that to see what was going to happen would be the result of an infection or a virus that would sweep the earth. But all of them knew, just like I did, with the sense of maybe it's time to change the in-person readings. It was like travel plans were canceled ahead of time. Shifts were being made. There was a sense of something that was going to be different but not many, nobody in that particular group could have actually put their finger on it and said, you know, COVID is coming. But I think that this has brought us, in a way, connected through the geography doesn't seem to make a difference anymore. We can meet with people wherever they live. In fact, in one of the groups I am involved in, there are a couple of women from Australia and Israel and when we are lucky enough to speak to them, they say, you know, we are coming from your tomorrow, which in point of fact is true and, a, you know, a funny way to think about time. But uh, it's been very rich and very rewarding at the same time we know that it's brought a lot of suffering and change for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, and, it, and you know, what comes to mind as we're talking about this is, you know, we're, we're also talking about seeing the gifts that have, you know, that are born from the chaos. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I know when our life fell apart and it was chaos, in, in, the, in the moment, um, I... You know, it was challenging. But I have to tell you, Heather, there was this this little voice in me that um, I have to admit, because of my, you know, like I said, I tend to be such the Virgo skeptic that I probably, 
you know, didn't pay enough attention to a lot in my life, there was this little voice that just kept saying to me, if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, it is going to work itself out. It's going to work itself out. And as time went on, we could see the gifts that came out of the chaos, just like what you're saying, you know, and we're saying the benefits that uh, came out of COVID. Um, and, but I think that you have to sort of be in a healthy place to see the gift in what would otherwise be called, I don't know, even dire circumstances, you know, because it's all exactly. in our reaction to these things, right? You know, whether we yes. react, whether we're proactive or reactive and that sort of thing. Absolutely. And that's why I said what I did, you know, really with um, with some thought because not everybody was as fortunate to use these challenging times like um, the groups that I'm meeting with have. But, yes, it takes that faith. And just seeing these as times of possibility, times of potential, times of letting go and stepping onto the raft, the way you described it, takes courage. We're, we're used to the world working in a certain way. And, you know, however skeptical we may be or wish to tamp down that inner voice that keeps talking to us, we find, I think, an opportunity will come our way where we actually step forward, put our foot onto the raft, go with the flow, and realize that this is out there for us as a different way of being. Um, but, you know, one's got to take that initial step. One has to be willing to let go of all that was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've kind of described it as um, being kind of forcing yourself to be comfortable with the unfamiliar because, you know, um, clinging too hard to to the familiar um, can hold you back from maybe better things, you know, um, but uh, it's, it's scary to let go of the familiar for, you know, that uncertainty, perhaps. Yes, um, and I think it takes courage, but courage that really takes us into to new possibilities. For some of us, this is, you know, on a physical level, you changed the place you were living in. Um, for others, it's on a more on a psychological or a spiritual level, stepping into new territory, I think for myself, because of this time that I've had at home and really loving being at home, although I haven't done the amount of writing that really should have, uh, or should have, I shouldn't use the word should, that could have been done at this point, I've been reading a lot and I've been listening to the video, again, thanks to Zoom at a time of COVID, any of the speakers that you respect and whose work you've read, you can go on YouTube and find things that they've put out there that are readily available. It's like going to a wonderful uh, weekend conference that normally would have cost a great deal of money to be part of a community that is hearing the words of wisdom from all these inspired teachers that is there for the taking 
And, you know, again, had COVID not happened, would this have been there to the quantity that it is? I don't know. But it's like this um, world of information that they said the age of Aquarius was going to bring has two sides to it. You were speaking earlier about, you know, chaos and creativity. We tend to label things, you know, with positive or negative, meaning good or bad, but if we think everything that comes our way is on a spectrum of possibility and how we react to it, we can make it good or bad um, in terms of what we do with the circumstances that we've got. I've been listening uh, to the teachings of Matthias de Stefano, um, whose teachings are on the uh, network on Gaia, and I've learned so much from this. One of the things that he says is when talking, instead of adding the value judgments of good and bad, positive and negative, if we think of our lives really as electrical circuits, if you like, with positive and negative charges that make movement forward possible, instead of seeing things with the value judgments we place on them, Realize that every one of these opportunities that we consider challenging come our way, it's an opportunity to grow. And that's what I think we're here to do, to evolve in consciousness, to move the human story forward, not only for ourselves and our community, but I think for all of us as neurons of Gaia, if you like, part of this earth plane of which we are so intimately connected and the planet that we love that nurtures us. Um, you started with the, the melody about ancient mother. Yes, ancient mother energy she is, but we are intimately part of that energy, evolving our own consciousness as we evolve Gaia consciousness too is the way that I'm coming to understand this. Interesting, interesting, and um, yeah, I, I could just sit here and listen to you all day, and uh, yeah, and and yeah, COVID did really afford many of us so much more time, you know, to delve into uh, all of these wonderful teachings that um, you know it might have taken us five years to get to, you know, but maybe yeah. we we did it in five weeks, you know. Um, yes. Well, hang on. Um, we're going to uh, take a break, and when we come back, um, I want to talk to you more about um, if Kabbalah has influenced, you know, your thinking about all of this, and also um, what you mean by living in two worlds. Uh, talk more sure. about that that stuff as well. Uh, but first, sure. um, we have uh, a word from Joe Carson to hear. This is from Jonathan Nightshade, a Gardnerian high priest of the Whitecroft line, a traditional craft practitioner and researcher, writing about Joe Carson's book, Celebrate Wildness, Magic, Mirth, and Love on the Feriferia Path. I love this book, how special this work is and how appreciated. As someone who was young in the 1970s, and through the years only found snippets of information on Feriferia, one of the first modern pagan paths, 
This book comes as an artistic revelation of the core practices of the way of the goddess and gods reborn for the next age of the Divine Maiden. She has clearly introduced the historical background, philosophy and ritual practices of the joyous wilderness mysteries of the fairy faith, illuminated by the marvelous pagan art of Farifaria's founder, Fred Adams. I was very pleased that the high-quality production of this oversized volume makes it a collectible work of art, as well as a testament to the visionary philosophy of Fred Adams. I feel blessed that I received a copy. I will treasure it and look forward to the next book for more of the deep philosophy and ritual practice of Farifaria. Celebrate Wildness is a dense, art book-quality hardcover book. You can get it for just $45 from the Farifaria website, at farifaria.org. That's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. And I want to be sure to ask listeners out there uh, if they know about the Divine Feminine app. Turns out uh, women have been finding the Divine Feminine app each and every day since 2016 and use it as a resource for finding local sacred circles, events, and resources. The Divine Feminine app has a new feature where newly added and local events are sent out every Tuesday. Go to the divinefemininap.com and register. It's quick. Uh, it's easy. There's no cost. Uh, and you can see circles in your area and be put on the email list. Now, it's not just local events, but other sort of sacred feminine virtual offerings and online events uh, like uh, Heather and I have actually been talking about. And um, you can find um, things like retreats and podcasts like this, for instance. Um, and as a benefit to our listeners, you can click on Upgrade Membership and scroll down to use the code Sacred Feminine to get a 90-day access to entering your own featured events that will be sent to local users. So that's the divinefeminineapp.com. And I am talking to uh, Heather Mendel, uh, author of The Disobedient Kabbalist and uh, creatrix of um, two wonderful uh, tarot decks, uh, one uh, on the minor arcana called the Parallax Oracle, and the other on um, uh, the uh, major arcana, I believe, and it's called the Syzygy Oracle. And uh, we are talking about um, consciousness in a post-COVID world. And um, did I get all of that right, Heather? I just want to make sure oh, you, I didn't mix did the two Oracle decks. <laughs> You did a wonderful job with it. So thank you very much. Uh, yeah, absolutely perfect, Karen. Okay. And so I, I was curious about, I mean, I know you're deeply into um, the Kabbalah. Um, did that factor in at all? Uh, did it influence your thinking in these, you know, during these last few COVID years? Yes, Absolutely. You know, I think we all have a, um, a sort of a grounding that we go back to as we try to establish our own belief system. Uh, for me, being raised within the Jewish community, uh, Kabbalah was not something that was readily available. Uh, when I grew up in South Africa in the 50s and 60s, it was still very much that Kabbalah was a study 
for men who were over the age of 40 and who were well-versed in Torah. Um, as I didn't fit any of those at the time, um, it was really a matter of hunting and searching and wanting to hear a Jewish take on something deeper than the rituals and the um, things that differentiate us from others. I think by nature I've always been interested in the commonalities we share and knew enough even in those years to know that by getting to the inner teachings, I would find the commonality that I wanted. And so started working with the idea of Kabbalah as Judaism's take on spirituality. At that stage, most of, in fact, not most, I would say all of the texts that were available were coming from male authors who were certainly very left-brain, Karen, you were talking about earlier, um, and I find that a left-brain approach, while satisfying the intellect within all of us, often tends to come across as word-heavy and not easy to find the practicality or the real meaning of what these teachings are saying. And as I worked with these ideas of the Tree of Life, and the four worlds in which we live, slowly, just accomplishing little by little more insight and intuition, I think I've realized that when we come to this material from a right brain approach, from the patterning and the whole and the connection, from an intuitive and imaginative role, the understanding of what Kabbalah is offering is totally satisfying for me. And so everything that I listen to, I hear, I contemplate, I see how that fits into the patterning that I was given of the tree of life, which teaches us about walking between the polarities, finding a path of balance, of taking the idea, you as an author, Karen, certainly knows that for example, when writing a book, bringing something into creation, you start off with the spark of an idea that is really intangible and have to then work it through the world of thoughts and emotions and actions, putting in the labor of love that goes to create it before it becomes an object that you have in your hand that you then put out to the world these lessons are all obviously taught on the tree of life. And so I have found that this has been a very satisfying um, seedbed or grounding for me to plant all the new seeds of all the inspired and channeled materials that I'm hearing to find my own way and then take the courage to reinterpret in terms of a woman hearing these particular teachings, how that affects me, how would I express that, and then maybe putting it out in such a way as I have in all the books that I've written or the card decks that I've created in a way that's understandable. Women and men coming from the same more right-brained approach to this very deep and very meaningful material. 
Well, and just the, you know, using the oracle decks, uh, just the act of doing that is much more of a, a right brain practice anyway. Yes. Yes, and I think then you're using the imagery um, because I think left brain is very much involved with words and we know that words limit. I think as we move into the world of imagery, things are far more fluid and open to interpretation and, uh, you know, carry so much more options. We were talking earlier about potential and options for change that with the images, I think that we can uh, allow our own creativity to flow more easily. And um, I just think it's a very satisfying experience where the people use the tarot cards as part of a spiritual practice, which is what I use my cards for. Um, I know that most people assume that tarot is about predicting the future, which is nothing that particularly interests me. I'm much more interested in finding the, the meaning, significance, coincidences, the signs we were talking about by looking at the present moment rather than trying to predict what may or may not happen in the future. And I think the cards are extremely helpful with putting us in touch with the intuitive which to me is the voice of the sacred feminine. Right, right. Well, um, and I, I want to hear what, um, you know, you, you were mentioning uh, maybe talking about the fifth dimension, um, yes. something we achieve rather than a place we go. Um, speak yes. to that a bit. Yes. Again, this is an idea that I first heard from Matthias de Stefano, that really resonated with me because I think back to the 1980s when I first discovered David Spangler and found a book of his called Revelation, The Birth of a New Age, in which he talks about us finding ourselves in a world in which two realities will be living side by side and never the twain shall meet. In the 1980s, this was very difficult to try and understand what could possibly be meant or implied by this. As we've seen the political climate in this country change over the last four, five, six years, this idea of us living side by side in two different realities is clearly understandable on a physical level, that we really have two ways of, two belief systems that uh, create a truth and a reality for their practitioners that really give no space for the alternative of the other. It's an either-or situation. On a spiritual level, what I hear being taught by all of the spiritual teachers out there right now is that we all sense we're on the verge of something new and I wonder whether this two realities that David Spangler was talking about is not only physical, but spiritual as well. We're living in a third dimensional world. I personally believe we access the fourth dimension when we are in the astral, when we are in our dream states, when we enter the story, the myth, the metaphor 
I think third and fourth dimensions kind of blend and go together. Again, a teaching from the tree of life, not to think in terms of individual items, but the spectrum of which they are part. And I think what is what we are experiencing now is that we are stepping into the fifth dimension, which is going to leave behind the either or of the patriarchy and step into the both and of a new way of being. So whether it's what you were talking about with universal incomes, time for creativity, caring about one another, where we see diverse perspectives without seeing them as threats, I think we are entering this new way of being in two dimensions at the same time or on the access, on the portal of entering a new way of being that I think spiritual teachers like De Stefano, like Ian Nicolay, for example, both, well, Nicolay's channeling material, Matthias De Stefano is remembering teachings that he's offering us, giving us this opportunity to acknowledge our multidimensional qualities. We are much more than just bodies moving through a physical world, but I believe living on multiple dimensions, and I think this entree into the fifth dimension is a possibility, and as he says, it's a state of mind we achieve rather than a place we go. So each time we find ourselves stepping out of the either or, into the both and, appreciating difference, understanding as our heart opens, each person has a perspective that is worth valuing whether we agree with it or don't, whether we can learn to celebrate our differences. I think we're on this verge of being new conscious beings, and this is, I think, where we're heading. I don't know if that muddies the water further, Karen. No, no. Um, actually, it uh, really piques my curiosity. Um, I, I would not have, I, I had no idea that that's where you were going to go with this, uh, but it makes total sense. Um, it's almost as if, as if, and um, uh, this fifth dimension idea where it's not the either or, it's the both and, um, it feels like maybe it's a necessary uh, liminal place uh, mm-hmm. that's necessary for transition to happen because it's it wouldn't be realistic that we could wake up and flip a switch and everybody would be on the same page, right? Um, Correct. But some people can start moving in that direction earlier, and maybe you know new systems are put in place to allow these new ideas, like we like we spoke about. It gives maybe time for other people to catch up if they ever do, you know, or right. not, and then right. maybe eventually this new place we move into becomes the reality um, and uh, at some point we leave behind that which no longer serves humanity you know the 
the isms, the hatreds, the stuff like that, that maybe for a while we'll have to live side by side with, you know, in, as part of the both. It, does I it sound like I'm getting it? Yes. For me, this makes absolute sense, and that's why I say we're on the verge of this. You know, all these teachings that are coming through now, in fact, these teachings have been out there for some time. I wasn't at a place that I could understand a lot of this in the 80s but now it's beginning to feel more real um, because of the times we're living in and maybe with the sort of expansion of possibilities I'm considering but if we are multi-dimensional beings which I believe we are it's where our consciousness goes that we dwell in that particular um, that dimension if you like and so why not if we know in our gut the moral and correct and nurturing, nourishing way to live is by caring for one another rather than competing with one another, I think that we are able to step into this, even if it's momentary, that we have a few moments of living in that place of both and that we know what it feels like and then we find ourselves back in third dimensional quote-unquote reality but having tasted something different we know what we're moving towards and I think that when we gather in groups like we have been able to do with the zoom at our fingertips and in this time of COVID that we connect with other people of like minds as it's as if we're strengthening the possibility of how this works in one another I think we are shining our light out into the darkness and I think that's what we're supposed to be doing that and each of us in our own individual ways to me this is truly creative living even if we're not producing a book or a painting out of it but being able to step out of the fear and stay in that place of equanimity and balance and love in the political climate we're living in in this country I think is a major achievement yeah yeah, I totally agree. Well, Heather, um, time has flown, and um, uh, what you just said could certainly be the, you know, uh, ending our conversation on a high point, but I want to give you the opportunity, if there's something you wanted to say that I haven't thought to ask you, um, you know, to perhaps share with listeners before I have to say goodbye today. Well, I think you've given me a wonderful opportunity to share thoughts that I hope, you know, it resonates with others um, as well. I bless you in everything that you're doing, Karen, to make our world a little better. I'm very grateful for the opportunity you gave me to be in conversation with you. And, uh, yeah, I think we are all doing our own little bit You know, in Judaism, we say it's not yours to complete the task, but neither are we free to desist from it. So none of us can solve this whole problem, but each one of us, the little bit that we are doing is an essential part of the puzzle. And so I thank you for bringing this particular opportunity to people who listen to the show to think about, to converse, anybody who would like to be in touch with me, my website is sacredfemininekabbalah.com. My email, heathermendell at gmail.com. 
I have a newsletter I put out every week, the title of which is And Now? Question mark, Changes and Choices in Cards, Kabbalah, and Consciousness. I would love to hear from anybody who is so moved after our discussion and just wish you every strength, Karen, in everything that you are doing. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I love that... Um, I think you said it was a, a Jewish idea that um, we all don't have to complete the the mission, so to speak. It sure takes the pressure off, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it does, but we each have a valuable little part that we are completing the puzzle, and each of our parts is essential. So just to do what we do with a full heart as we move into this new time of being I think Anna Dear Judith describes this as moving out of the solar plexus and into the heart chakra, which to me is really fitting place to end as we open to the love and connection we feel for one another. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Heather. Uh, you've shared so much wisdom today. Uh, thank you for um, you know spreading it out there, and uh, hopefully it will uh, you know just ripple like a pebble in a pool. <laughs> thank you so very <laughs> From much. From your mouth, thank you, Karen. Lots of love. Okay, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, and I just wanted to share that uh, Heather's axiom for living is celebrate diversity and so sanctify life. Uh, what a wonderful, wise woman. I'm so glad we had her on today. And um, I am probably going to end it right here. Um, you might have sensed that um, I'm struggling a bit with throat and uh, respiratory issues. Um, uh, and the more I talk, uh, the more uh, I get that um, you know, that feeling that uh, I have to cough and I don't want to be coughing at you on the air. So I will just uh, leave you with the good thoughts from Heather Mendel and this idea um, that, um, uh, the, that goddess was never divorced or dethroned by God, but instead by patriarchal human made dogma. I think we can easily vision the divine couple, whether they be deities, archetypes, or ideas for spiritual, cultural, and political change, scratching their heads and wondering whatever got into the heads of religious patriarchy upsetting the normal balance of things. I don't know, I think I can see them in their rocking chairs looking down on us and scratching their heads. All right. Uh, well, that about does it for me today. I hope you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you will be back next Wednesday. Uh, thank you very much, and we will close with an homage to Sekhmet, the lion-headed Egyptian goddess who teaches women to be bold, to say no without guilt, and to set healthy boundaries.